Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 1914 podcast with Kunla Me. It's been um, a long time we recorded. So this is the first episode in 2020. And it's been crazy because 2020, there's been a lot of things happening, just not in Nigeria, but globally also. So, for example, the coronavirus had the, is ravaging, and then we just had the first case in Nigeria. So that's that's a lot. We've also had a lot of people dying, which is quite sad. We've had Kobe Bryant die. We've had um, Pop Smoke and also some other people. Yeah. Power Fist, Power Fist. Yeah. Nice one. So I have a, I have a guest today. Um, his name is Anyete. Anyete. Hi, my name is Anyeti Philip. I'm a lawyer, but an all-round good guy. Nice. So, um, I've gotten a lot of feedback regarding other episodes of the podcast, and I really appreciate everyone commenting, everyone trying to trying to get me to improve, trying to contribute one way or the other. And one of the one of the feedback is feedback the correct word of feedbacks. No, I think it's feedback. One of the feedback we got was about the. You know, because we're trying to make it interesting, we're trying to make it engaging. I know a lot of people don't really like listening to people just rant about Nigeria or rant about policy and all that. Nigeria is not really an interesting subject when it comes to um, when it comes to podcasts. So we're trying to make it like engaging for a lot of people. So one of the things we're told to one of the uh, one of the things we got was to introduce a feedback. Um, sorry, to introduce a fun fact section. Yeah. So. My guest today, Anita, is going to tell us something cool that he knows about Nigeria. Yeah. Oh, I'm back. Yeah. So, um, brief. We'll, stay. we'll conclude at the end of the podcast. But I've ever heard of um, a man called Isaac Adakaboro. Most people, most people know him from the case Boro versus the state. Um, he was a policeman. Not only that, he was the first person to move a secessionist movement in Nigeria. And during his career as a policeman, he was one of the very few people, or I think the first case where fingerprint was used to solve a criminal, a case of murder. So would you find out more about him? Yeah. Oh, that's actually really super cool. So we're going to dive into the topic for today. I, I don't know much about Isaac Adakaburo, but anything about secession and then living in Nigeria, count me in. <laughs> I like topics like that. <laughs> we're going to dive into the topic for today. Um, today's topic is... Something interesting has been going on in the very in the, the space in in Nigeria for a while, and it's more or less about transport policy. Movement. Transport policy. People going from one place to another. A lot of you people are trekking in Lagos, and we want to know what's up, like what's going on. So one of the things I'm going to because it's not just about Lagos; it's also in the FCT. So a lot of states, a lot of states that you consider to be Okay, FCT is not a state now. Right, you can count. Yeah, FCT, but the federal capital territory and Lagos, they they, they presume to be mega cities, and they kind of believe that some forms of transportation are not meant to be exist ex- existent in this in the city at that point in time. Mega cities. Yeah, the mega cities. So Lagos, they recently banned motorcycle operators riding in motorcycles. They banned motorcycles generally, and kekes. That's tricycles. So in some parts of the state, so you can't see that form of transportation. And then there was a crackdown on them. So these this, um, operators did not were not able to function. And then also, I think late last year, uh, the FCT administration, that's the FCTA, decided in their own wisdom that Kekes were not welcome in the city, in the metropolis. 
and also in the Federal Republic of Guarimpa, so also the bank in those areas. So, and it's interesting because I've been to Guarimpa before. I've been to Guarimpa at least twice in my life, and I know that you can't really function without kekes there. Twice it's, in your life. It's the Federal City of Guarimpa for reasons. <laughs> it didn't to get in, but yeah. So, um, that's the that's the topic we're going to be discussing today: transport policy in Nigeria from a from a from just an an overview perspective to understand why the government feels they need to regulate this sector and then do they, are they really considering the feelings of the masses, the people that actually have to enter Kekes, the people that have to actually fly bikes? Because I, I don't think the minister of, I don't yes, think, yeah, the minister here doesn't, I, don't think, I, don't, I can't remember the last time he used a bike in his life. That's even he has ever used. So the first question I'm going to actually need here. Yep. Now you've seen, like I said earlier, the policies have affected um, a lot of people. And you'd see some people, there have been arguments in both areas for people that support the um, removal of bikes and removal of kickers, and also people that say, yeah, am I going to get to work? Do you think this policy, the transport policies in Nigeria are elitist in the sense? Uh, elitist? <laughs> I wouldn't specifically say that. That's considering using our prime examples of Lagos and Abuja. I won't really say that if it's it's born out of so many things, but not elitism. Okay. The effect could have could it could have an elitist effect. Yeah. That's the rich are not really affected, but that is not what that was not the target. Okay. For a place like Lagos, I would say is denying what they are. Okay. It's failure to look at what should be in your system and what should not be. What I might call an identity crisis of Lagos. Okay. Lagos sees itself as a mega city. But in fact, <laughs> and indeed, it's not a mega city. <laughs> in Abuja, it is. Uh, it is. It's almost the same thing as an identity crisis, but it's it's not that much because uh, the Abuja's ban on keke, yeah. yeah, is still born out of the same. Some keke should not operate here, but the Abuja is quite understandable to an extent because. Um, particularly the city center where the bands have been made, there are actually walkable distances. There are pathways, walkways for people to walk. Still not nice enough because people are still stranded to get from area one to area three. Yeah. But at least there are lungs. Still not good enough because yeah. it doesn't cover what the keke would have covered. But uh, it's it's better than Lagos where keke uh, bikes have been outrightly banned. banned. Yeah. So not elitist per se, but the poor suffer because the rich can ride in so, their cars. Yeah, the rich want to ride in their car and they don't want scratches. Yes. In the sense. So one of the things I'm going to I'm going to go into based on what you said. So most times when in advanced countries and I don't like to use the word advanced countries, but in countries that that take policy seriously, there's when trying to create like new policy policy um or trying to regulate sectors, there's a cost benefit analysis to what they're doing. And one of the things you'd realize, I don't know much about Abuja, for example, the keke, the keke um, ban has been kind of to an extent mitigated because of the operation of along, as you would yeah. say, on the route. But one thing you'd realize is what the the idea, for example, with Apo Bridge, if you would realize, the idea was there was a lot of traffic on that bridge, and the people that were blamed at first were kekes, and we said kekes were the ones causing the traffic. Or 
they would blame them for some form of crime or and what you would realize is there's still traffic on the same route <laughs> till now so you'd see that maybe okay this wasn't actually the problem and when it comes to security that's people stealing from each other or like getting robbed i would prefer to be in a keke at 10 p.m than no, being enclosed so do you think and i'm not even going to go into the lagos context because what they would say in lagos is crime they would say people are getting people are getting them um, there's lots of accidents but what people don't consider is the cost benefit analysis okay we're going to ban this but what is the cost in the long term what is this functional are we losing a lot of money as a result of this are we losing productivity what's going on do you think governments consider this in the context or they just wake up and and sorry just for you to before you cut in because we've seen a lot of things in nigeria where people wake up and they decide that they just want to ban something i know we went to the same school so we understand where people just wake up and where, where they make decisions based on what they dreamt of at night you come <laughs> so yeah um, there was something i was even going to like when there was a there was a conversation that someone had with a particular commissioner and they said all of them decided that they sat down in the room and they decided it's good to ban and at that point in time, no one said, oh, we considered right. all the alternatives and we said, yeah, this is what we're going to do. So what do you think? Um, first off, in a place like Lagos, while, why they will not even consider cost benefits is because everybody knows MUC, MC Olomo. The money that comes from NRTW and the tricycle riders really doesn't get to the government. Okay. I, I mean, <laughs> everybody... Who yeah. should know, should know. Okay. It is controlled by the NERTW, headed yeah. by Up National. Okay. So that one is, not, the government is not even concerned about that money. It's just going to be the people losing their source of livelihood, okay. not the government losing its source of any source of income. Because okay. if that was the case, the government would have been more tempered in their reaction. Okay. That's one. Two, our natural reaction to things in Nigeria is to ban. And that's simply because our leaders, there's a wide gap between actual living and the life our leaders live. Okay. How do you expect someone in Lagos to get from a quarter and about to Adiola or Deku? Even if he has a car. The, 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 the solution to traffic problem in Lagos is not more cars on the road. Okay. It is taking cars off the road, which Keke did. So instead of people, you want to just go to get lunch at a short distance, yeah. or you're trying to catch up with your flight to the airport, and knowing how Lagos is. So the, 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 the leaders in Lagos, are, they are denying the system, that Lagos, how Lagos operates, how traffic is terrible. You can leave your house four hours to your flight and still miss your flight. It has happened to me before. <laughs> and then you have to take bike from Maryland to, to the airport. So if you fail to realize these things, then you know that they did not even sit down to consider the people. They solely considered themselves and the story of... And just one last thing, let me say this. I have listened to the gov deputy governor of Lagos State That's about on, uh, Hamza, on, China, on TV, yeah. where he was trying to explain the reason. And he made the same the misguided statement that the Lagos State government posted on social media once yeah. that the Okada and KKP were taking, uh, taking away their artisans. Okay from that they didn't have carpenters anymore, they didn't have plumbers anymore, that they were coming from other countries. That's how you see that there is actually no clear policy plan, plan for it. What is the connection? If your, if your goal is to ensure people have source of livelihood, why is somebody not being a plumber or being a keke rider affecting you? So 
it was an ill thought out plan. They have not been able to articulate anything to say is the reason. But we know that, I'll always still refer to my first statement, is the identity crisis of Lagos. What Lagos should be like in their minds and what Lagos is in actual fact. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of we agree. Pay for, we, we pay for the to price. To be fair, I kind of agree with the government there because there was this guy that used to ride, that used to that used to be my plumber at some point in time. Now, like I called him to come and fix my leakage, and then he told me he's, he's riding. Can't come <laughs> and fix it again. <laughs> but yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah. That's, sorry, sorry about sorry to that man. Sorry to so, that man. So yeah, um, also following the the earlier conversation, I think one of the things I was able to do last year was I realized before. We elections in Nigeria, kekers, bikes, they play a very prominent role. So you would see that Akumoron, that's the organization that regulates um, kekers, the bike, I can't remember the bike, uh, the bike organization, but they are well, they are well structured and then they have, so in Abuja, for example, Akumoron was engaged well before the election in FCT. In fact, Akumoron did a roadshow for, for, to re-elect a particular candidate. I use re-elect there so you people know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but yeah, Akumara did a roadshow. They even, like, they supplied the tricycles and then what, what happened immediately was the government come clamping down on them. Also, in the Lagos context, Gokada, OP, and um, uh, Max, Max, Max N NG. NG, you could see that they were already discussing with the government. In fact, there are pictures you'd see of Mr. Um, I think his name is Saleh, the the GM of Dokada yeah. and some other of the officials with, with the, the governor. So yeah, they government. were already discussing, and it feels like they were thrown under the bus. So you think this is more or less um, government saying, okay, we we require you people before the elections, but once we're done, yeah, we just discard you people. Actually, like, coming from the context that the government doesn't actually, are we saying the government doesn't actually consider? Back to the initial question, they don't really consider the feelings of. The actual poor and they're just making policies based on their own about considering the feelings of the actual poor what i will say is if you are looking for the real reason why the government banned particularly in lagos banned kekan bikes and okadas don't listen to anything the government is saying <laughs> because if you listen to them you will be confounded let me start with the lagos situation the deputy governor of lagos explained that the picture that they took with Gokada operatives and I think Max NG2 yeah. was not an endorsement of their operations. Of their operation or anything that they just came to visit the governor to intimate him and then they brought the props or let's take a picture. Yes. Um, but the operators have said that they have been paying what, not taxes, they've been paying license fees monthly, running into millions. So the governor is saying that we never endorsed your operations, but then the uh, road transport of, uh, management agencies have been collecting money. So if you are looking for the real purpose, eh, you, you will never see it in what the government <laughs> is saying. About using them for politics, particularly in Abuja, why, why I stay in Abuja, when the election results were announced, all protocol, I, I don't stay in a secluded place, but there's, um, there's a military barracks, where kekes are not allowed to pass beyond. Yeah. That was when they were still operating. All protocols were broken. Kekes were driving all the way from the military barracks down towards... Celebrating? Celebrating. I, I, I was walking out and I had to go back in so that I'm not... You're not caught in the room. Yes, so they have... So it's, you might call it a use and dump situation. But the thing with use and dump is that there's always going to be another use. 
True. So trust me, they are they are suffering it. Towards the election period, there will be a time for use. Yeah. Whether they will be able to negotiate their dumping <laughs> time, we'll 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 get to know. But um, it is still a very very unfair approach, considering that what Nigerians will call palliative measures were not introduced. So that's why I earlier said that it is not entirely elitist, because if um, they had banned it and then they had introduced measures to not in the, in the in the position of Lagos, the solution is not introducing more cars. Whatever, even if they introduce bigger buses, the solution is not introducing more cars. We need wide, wiser solutions. In the situation of Abuja, it was a ban that wasn't even announced. People just woke up and realized that they were not there. So if the government is able to introduce measures to take care of those people, we will not call it elitist. That's the only reason why we are seeing it as elitist. But I will still say both states ill-thought-out policy. I think Anita is a very, very um, apt person to speak on these issues because he's lived in Lagos and you've lived in Abuja. I won't say I lived, I survived in Lagos. Yeah, and then I'm sure like, because a lot of your commute used to be with um, Kekes and... Yeah, I mean... And it's hundred naira for a long distance from a place in Lekki to VI, hundred naira. Now and I'll be top, checking from top there. And uh, but he's a top lawyer, and imagine top lawyer. You see, your top lawyer is a kekes and <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we survived. So based on what you said, palliative measures. So one of the things that we've we also discussed before this was the issue of innovation when it comes to transport. Now, I don't want to go into. I don't want to go into more advanced issues like electric cars, you know. Oh. So we, let's not go above ourselves because we know that one. Discussion, we don't even have the electric yeah, No, calm down, <laughs> calm down. The discussion is, is for another side. But I've seen, for example, in India, we, um, the tricycles now, they're more, there's more um, focus on, say, electric tricycles that can be charged with less electricity yeah. and can move. Indonesia, the I think it's Indonesia, yeah, that Gojek is one of the biggest yeah, yeah, yeah. operators. So Gojek is a billion is a billion dollar. Even in Liverpool, there's a there's a place where Keke as we call it, but tricycles operate. Yeah, there yeah, even Liverpool. and they they've tried to introduce this. Even in advanced countries. I know Sweden, there's a there's a particular company called Z B. They they have electric tricycles and they've been trying to introduce it in because it's less emission, you know, zero emission thing and, and all that. So, like I said, in Indonesia, Gojek is a billion-dollar company. They've transformed from just bike-killing to, um, to more or less food delivery. delivery. A lot of, and it's a lot of, they've been able to self-regulate. There are other countries, too, that realized, okay, yeah, maybe we shouldn't ban, tri maybe we shouldn't ban tricycles and, bikes, and um, bikes. What we should do is more, more or less regulation. And then we'll look at the fact that these people were already speaking to the government. That's Gokada, um, OP. The government said they were not they, talking they to They were already speaking to the government. They were, in fact, Gokada, Gokada has a functional, or they had a functional government relations personnel. personnel. Office, yes. They had, um, even OP, you check, they have a very functional government relations. So they've been relating with the government. They tried to do OBOS. They tried to do a lot of things. They tried to innovate. And what you'd realize is, so in Lagos, downfalls have been existing since I was... Before I was born. Yep. In fact, you check pictures from... I don't use before I was born because I'm young as hell. 
so it doesn't really change anything. But you check pictures from say 1970 something, and those same longest downfalls that were there. I have seen some a of them still in operate. That had Shagari for president. So, <laughs> so you see that some of these some of these vehicles have been there for 40 years. Now, the funny thing is, Lagos protects its downfalls. Do you understand? These are cars that have been existing for almost 30 years that will not pass any form of um that will not pass any form of what would you call it, like vehicular inspection. And we'll now say that okay, other forms of innovation as motorcycles are not allowed. So you're saying motorcycles are not allowed in Lagos, but that they're not part of. But downfalls are part of downfalls. Downfalls are, downfalls are citizens. <laughs> <laughs> but in the grand context, what I'm trying to point out is the role of innovation and say transport policy. Because these guys in Abuja, for example, you would see that they would you agree with me that they're dropping the ball when it comes to transport policy e- and getting new buses, getting new new transportation routes. What do you think? In Abuja, see, I think there's a failure of transportation system in Abuja. The only advantage with transportation system in Abuja is that taxis are cheap. Yes, okay, I yeah, mean, the taxis, yeah. the taxis are cheap. You don't have to pay in thousands to get to a long distance. Okay. But um, I think the last, uh, um, some will say, you will say that in the last eight years, there has been no deliberate investment in transportation. Okay. I will say the last um, 12 years. Okay. The last time we saw a deliberate um, investment investment in transportation in Abuja was most probably in 2007 under the um, now governor of Kaduna State, Nasir Arufai. And that's why if you notice the city center particularly, that's Wuse and all the area, one, two, three, there are bus stops, designated bus, bus stops, and even lines for buses to park. They never really functioned, but at that time, there was investment into the Abuja Urban Mass Transport Company to get the buses that are now called LFI buses. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't cover a large number, particularly because those buses were, only, were usually always used for, from Wuse to the satellite towns. Yeah. They never functioned within the town. Within the town. That was where, I would say, the taxis came. The, the taxis came and along came in. And that's where I think the minister then really didn't get it because there is no matter how no matter how urban or metropolitan a city is, they need to have their own functioning system. And this is just an aside. Transport system is tied closely to urban planning. And let me if you want to know how the transport system has been the ball has been dropped in Chicago and Abuja, look at all the areas that have designated bus stops, even though they are not used. They all have sidewalks for people okay. to wait for the yeah, buses. True. But if you go to the new areas that have been built, Guarimpa, there are a lot of places in Guarimpa that don't have sidewalks. <laughs> so if one day we have a transport crisis in Abuja, where would the buses, bus stops be built in? Places like Guarimpa, Life Camp, Kado, Apo. Yeah. So it's only those city centers. So just look at our urban planning. I mean, it's not for urban planners are working in banks. So <laughs> look at urban planning and then you see that our transport system in Abuja has is failing to an extent. That's how you have a long where people are kidnapped, one chance after they banned Okadas and banned buses in Abuja. Nothing was actually put in place apart from Kekes, which have now been banned again. So we are back to so 2006. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think I would have to speak to the president of Grandpa about that. <laughs> they need to they need to factor in they need to factor in sidewalks in there. They need to <laughs> in they their need planning. To. So yeah and 
like I was saying, so this is still on the same topic. So, for example, Gokada or the the new bike forms healing. of bike healing systems were as a result of necessity. necessity, in the sense. And like we mentioned, bikes were banned in Lagos for a bit. I think twenty seventeen. There's a law. There's a, actually a particular law that says, but there was a there was a loophole that says bikes that are over two hundred cc and uh, you could wear your everything the safety protective gear, the protective gear, everything is. So Gokada and Max came to fill in the gap, and they became popular because, well, not because generally there was a big issue with transportation. There was a lot of traffic, and these guys came and then they filled the gap. And like you mentioned, along came as a result of inadequacies in the system. They didn't just become popular because, oh, well, we just like to squeeze ourselves into cars. <laughs> it became popular because, yeah, they're functional. So do you think the government is not necessarily considering alternatives? Because this is why I mentioned innovation. Now, an innovative government will sit down and say, okay, yes, what is our transport policy for, say, the next four years? What are we trying to achieve? What can we do to improve last mile transportation, last mile connectivity? Because if you look at examples in India, from train stations, if you're building a train station, for example, you need to be sure that the people that live in the trains can get to their destination. destination. So what in the, what like some particular train stations did was they would use tricycles. So the tricycles would just be waiting for you and you get to your destination. In fact, instead of you going to... Because if I want to go to the mall now in, say, Apple, naturally, before I would have used the keke because it's 200 naira, cheap for me. Instead of driving out of my estate, going... Hitting the, the road, yeah, right. and and adding to the traffic, the supposed traffic that we're, we're trying to curb. But now, because that keke is no longer available, but what other countries would have done is yeah, from the because this is a very very important route, say from estates to the mall. Sure, in somewhere like Apple, I don't know if you've been to Apple a lot. You'd that's a, that, that's another federal republic. Another state. federal republic of Apple, but you'd see that there are a lot of estates there. Yeah, these estates should be able to okay if people want to move to important areas, how can they get there? What's the connectivity? So we're not seeing proper designs because it feels like everybody's just winging it. So what is the actual proper design? Do people have transport policy? Like Lagos would say that they have the Lagos master plan that nobody has seen. Nobody. Since. <laughs> it's, in, it's in someone's house. <laughs> and they keep just, anything I just call they say Lagos master plan. But do you think there has been a failure of innovation? You think, um, I'm not even going to say do you think because I know there's been a failure of innovation. But what do you, what's your um, perspective on the issue of innovation? I'll, let me put it in Lagos context because that's where, um, in the Lagos context, what we have is innovation versus rent seeking. Okay. We know the definition of innovation. What yeah. is rent seeking? Rent yeah. seeking is, I'll refer back to what you said. I have seen a Shagari for President <laughs> 1979 boss yeah. still operating as a downfall. Yeah. I have seen a downfall without a steering. The driver was actually <laughs> using a rod <laughs> to direct himself yeah. on the road. And then the government has nothing to say about that. Yes, because of the rent-seeking system, the political system. You, to understand Lagos very well, do not listen to what they are telling you. Understand the politics of Lagos. Then, when it comes to innovation, we have... And let, let me even show you. You know there was a time that Gokada had issues with um, the NURTW. Yeah, yeah. And then rent-seeking kicked in yeah. they had to pay i think a thousand naira 500 naira a day yeah, yeah. per to bike licenses, yeah. to, to operate yes but the lagos state government to deny that nrtw is not their representative but you see how they were allowed for that period because of 
the particular protection? Because of protection and rent seeking in Lagos. The governor of Lagos State was at the experience 2019, last year, where um, the senior pastor of House <laughs> on the Rock was donating kekes to the people they call Jesus Boys. They are not aerial boys, yeah. they help them. And then the governor flagged it off. And then January 2020. So you can clearly see that in the case of Lagos, there's actually no policy. There's actually no policy because uh, if there was a policy, 20 years is enough for BRT to have reached Aja. Okay. BRT stopped at TBS. 20 years is enough to, to BRT to get there. So on the island, and my perception, and my belief, because of I'm a conspiracy theory, <laughs> is that they've shared it. The mainland BRTs will operate, but then the island, then NRTW cash out on that side. But that's my that's my part-time job, conspiracy theory. Then if you come to Abuja, there is actually something called the Abuja Master Plan. The Abuja Master Plan. That one actually exists. That as in, if you want it, you can see it. Abuja was designed. That's why I'm saying the Abuja Master Plan is functional in the city center. Yeah, but. Because of how everybody is trying to wing it, areas that are popping up, Galadimawa, Apu, the master plan is being abused. So the day we have another hot-headed minister of FCT who comes to demolish houses, ask your father whether your house will not go down <laughs> because it's on the road. <laughs> so yeah, Lagos is fighting innovation in place of rent-seeking and not accepting. For Lagos to solve this problem, it needs to understand, they need to accept what they are that they are a city that is messed up to a large extent, understand how transport works, then they will be able to build a transportation policy. Not waking up in the morning and deciding to build BRT that doesn't really cover up to 30% of the population of Lagos, to be honest. So, we have a lot to do, a lot. But innovation has to win rent-seeking and protectionism. Innovation must win. So yeah, you just mentioned protectionism, and that's actually that's actually very interesting. Oh, that's cool. So you'd see that um, also we're not just because, like I said earlier, we'd say, oh, is it elitist? But when people were saying, oh yeah, ban kekes, ban the kekes, because me, I use Uber, and then I don't really struggle like you people. And what we realized is days after, they started to attack Uber right. operatives and Uber's operation, and then taxify's operation. And you'd see that um, also, in fact, in the, if you go to the airport in Nigeria, chances are, especially in Abuja, before you come out, you have to go and start, you have to be shaking your Uber driver like you've known, like your long lost cousin for a very long time. You'll be like, yeah, Chukwemeka, what's up? Like, it's been a long time. Because if they catch him, they'll beat him. You know, it's crazy. So, one of the things you'd realize is that what is our, what is our take on, as Nigerians or in general, like, the government's take on um, protectionism when it comes to... Are we trying to say, okay, Ubers can operate because we're trying to protect, say, a certain industry like um, airport, right, airport taxi operators? Or are we just generally just against innovation and, like you said, rent-seeking? Uh, first, eh, one, way, one thing that Nigerians have accepted is cabalization. Every... There's an association of DJs in Enugu. <laughs> There's an association of social media operators. There's an association of, of, of producers. There's an association. So every so what they do. Uh, my producer is the president. <laughs> <laughs> what they do is to create an association to advance their interest. Uh, their interest. So we have the association of airport taxi drivers who pay licenses to the Federal Airport Authority in Abuja particularly, and. Then Uber came in and then they feel 
they are, they are opposed to the disruption Uber is bringing, understandably. Um, once again, we come back to the battle of innovation versus protectionism. When it comes to innovation versus rent seeking, eh, I am for innovation winning absolute victory. But when it comes to protectionism versus innovation, I am more for a middle ground resolution because you can't outrightly tell these people who have spent their lives as airport taxi drivers to, to just get out as in people are now going to trust other people and you can't now tell them to oh all of you join the platform that is innovation winning completely there has to be a middle ground there is uber let's not get it twisted uber faces regulation and this regulation crisis in almost every country yeah, they've been in. Yeah. that they are, they are in and almost the same issues of um, licenses and all that employment sometimes tax sometimes so this is one where uber can approach the federal airport authority and negotiate a way out that might even help the airport taxi guys to join their platform that is far better than the war we are seeing this is one where you can actually see a possible solution to the crisis um, I think when it's protectionism, particularly to protect the interest of airport taxi drivers, a middle ground can be reached to okay. avoid this fight. Okay, I think we've we've kind of discussed the issues that we're trying to address today. And this final question I'm going to ask you, mm-hmm. just quickly, if you if you were made, say, the transport secretary in um, in Abuja for uh, a year, or you made the commissioner for transportation in Lagos State. I think both areas. What would be the first things you would do? Um, first, not the first, not necessarily the first things, but the major things you would introduce. And you don't need to share your ideas because that's how someone would now You can be giving these people ideas. You don't want to be giving. At least I live in Abuja before <laughs> I go to Canada, so <laughs> let me benefit from yeah. what my own idea. So I'll share with the transport secretary. I hope you're listening to this. Um, the first thing you need to do is to take advantage of the bus stops we have in Abuja, particularly the metropolis. Don't think that the people who live in Wusi and Gariki don't need to move around. We need to move around. <laughs> so if you can provide buses that run that route and stop at the designated bus stops, Nikon Luxury, Area 8, Wusi Market and all that, we really appreciate that. First off, and then n- there's n- no mega city or no city, no capital. I've never seen a capital of any country that claims to be the giant of any continent that doesn't have a functional transport system. It doesn't work. So before you extend your tentacles to railway with the federal government collaboration, you need to fix your own internal transport system. So you need more buses. If you need to take in the long riders as your drivers, so be it. Then the Kekes can now walk on the flanks. When the bus stop ends and they need to take short distances, the Kekes can go, last mile transport. In Lagos, ha, the problem in Lagos is <laughs> just just keep on winging it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. But I think you need to extend your BRT systems down to, let's say, Aja bus stop. Then from that Aja um, under bridge, the, um, the downfall buses can now go towards Shongo Tedo and Ekpe with the Kek. You need to introduce Kekes back. If it's for the Okadas, yeah, so you need to 
come up with some because of those guys they have nine lives i've seen one use one life and wake up again <laughs> so you need to regulate them if you need them to be under an umbrella and then you need to expand their operation you can't tie them only to those eight lcds yeah. in our city roads and then for gokada and uh, max ng you need to revive them to operate as they've always operated because that will introduce more investment. People will take these Okada people, uh, train them, and give them those bikes to do. And then, please, show us the Lagos master plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, based on what you just said, based on what, off what you just said, what do you think is the role of private, um, private, private um, investors in, in transportation? Because... I would. I generally believe that one of the biggest problems we have is the fact that there's not enough uh, private public partnerships. So, for example, with, like I said, Danfoss. I don't think. I strongly believe that Danfoss should not be on the road again. They tried to introduce Obos in Lagos, and we knew how spectacularly that field, or we know how spectacularly that field. So but there is a bus hailing system in Lagos. What bus hailing system? Plenty Waka. Does it still work? Yeah, I had never used them, but I always see their buses. Yeah, but you know, the thing is, when it comes to things like this, yeah, you work, you work for a period, but then you become more prominent and and the owner of Lagos State, MC, that's, that's the thing. MC comes collects his money. I'm sure even the owner of Plenty Waka is angry at mentioning <laughs> it right now. Because MC, is, like, MC is coming for yeah, you. Yeah, the guy was like, oh, yeah, we're just chilling. <laughs> this guy. MC is coming Are for you. you. <laughs> I think that would be the name of this episode, Plenty Waka. Uh, yeah, that, okay. that actually was really episode. <laughs> yeah, so thank you for listening. But finally, we're going to discuss the last thing that we we started with Isaac Adakaboro. So you're going to tell us what happened to Isaac Adakaboro. Oh, so yeah, the funny thing was Isaac Adakaboro was convicted of treason, sentenced. I can't remember. That. I think he was sentenced to death, but the civil war broke out. He was released. And the funny thing was, someone who was fighting for secession fought on the side of Nigeria. He took a lot of his Niger Delta um, secessionists and fought on the side of Nigeria. How he died is questionable. Some say he was killed by one of the very popular um, commanders in the during the Civil War. We who all was, know him. Who also shares the same similar name with the with the host of this podcast. But yeah, continue. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't mention any name. <laughs> yeah, some say he was killed. That, but what we know is that he did not see the end of the Civil War. Rest in peace, Isaac Adakaboro. <laughs> Actually, interesting about Isaac Adakaboro because he was he was the um, foreigner for um, Namdikanu. Not even a Namdikanu. Mend. Um, Mend for him, especially Niger no, Delta. No, Ogoni. Okay, yeah. It was it was the it was the forefather. It was the one that that led the. But it was also a sly guy because if you realize, he went to go and fight for Nigeria. So. Are you sure he had a choice? Um, yeah, we're not really sure. Okay. Well, rest in peace, Isaac Adakaboro. One, one love. love. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Till next time we see you. Peace. Plenty Waka. Plenty Waka. <laughs> ah. I like this episode.